Not long ago, I was admiring a particular golden retriever who was just rolling around on his back in that sheer ecstasy of being alive that perhaps only a golden is really able to express in all of their goofiness and lovability. And I stopped to talk with his human companion, and as I threw his tennis ball a few times, we got to talking, which eventually led to the question, what do you do for work? I told her I'm a writer and a minister, and her eyes widened. She got very excited, and she started telling me about her spiritual path, which included a lot of searching and deep questions, and it was a very interesting conversation. And then she said, I am so fed up with this secular culture. At which point, my eyes widened. You see, I have some prejudice in me. I have some bias. And many of these are about religion and religious people. Ironically, I hold an opinion about religiously motivated people that is not very good. It's not very charitable or generous. If someone tells me they are fed up with secular culture, I tend to go to a space of, hmm. And this is my own limitation, because in my mind, there are only two possibilities. Religious culture, characterized by the Inquisition, the Taliban, the Salem witch trials, Saudi Arabia, and the Tea Party. Or secular culture, which is characterized by the separation of church and state, and its freedoms of religion and speech. So given that dichotomy, the one that I manufactured, I choose secular culture. But then this woman continued in a way that made things very problematic for me because she started to include, as hallmarks of secular culture, things like the damaging social environment of the underprivileged students she was trying to teach the degradation of the environment. Not once did she mention getting back to the Bible, but rather made a point of the need to be aware of what was happening right in front of us, literally the scripture of our lives. And yeah, that secular culture is not so good. In our race away from the church fathers and the guilt and the manipulation and the plunder, we've run right into a certain solipsism, a certain self-absorption, perhaps as protection, perhaps as a form of liberation. But where is the sacred? Where is the intentionality to be in deep relationship with the beloved, with the divine, with the holy? It is not enough just to walk away from the structures that don't feed us, the kings and the creeds and the castes. There must also be an intentional picking up of something, a, a sacred life, a community of sacred livers and lovers, because this world is not going to heal itself with secular culture either. There are no words or policies or laws to lead us into transformation. Transformation is a spiritual act. It is a counter-cultural act of resistance that demands that we take a stand for living, for life, for the sacred, for the beloved, for God. It is not uncommon to hear people today profess that, unlike the religion of their youth, they find everything holy now. 
I agree with this sentiment. Wholeheartedly, I agree with it. And we must be cautious never to use that phrase as a cop-out, which I think we often do. We can become glib and casual as we speak ill of the faith of our ancestors. Oh, I don't believe in that stuff anymore. Everything is holy now. But when we get down to actually talking about what we do to honor that holiness, it quickly becomes clear that we don't do very much, other than say it. And my concern, particularly for my generation, which seems to be characterized more by religious scandal than liberation, has to do with a sense of being spiritually lost, simultaneously as we are watching our world unravel with the rising seas and the erratic climate change. What are we to do? Simply saying everything is holy now does not lead us into transformation. We are being called into a time of spiritual renovation. People are starving for a new way of being. We are not called to cause the spiritual renovation. We are called to participate in it. We are called to become it as others become it. There is a prayer that is going on within you. It has been going on for thousands of years. The earth is not our storehouse. The earth is not our sewer. It is a sacredness from which we come and to which we return. The prayer is a call for us to return to relationship, to honor and praise the holiness of which we are a part. We don't need churches or temples to lock up the holy, to define where the holy lives. Everything is holy. But we do need sacred relationship because secular culture is obsessed with the individual, even in its spiritual pursuits. Individuality is not the spiritual transformation calling out to us. It is not the great flowering of life. We are called to fall in love with the divine, to open ourselves to a sense of intimacy with life. It is an odd fear of intimacy where creation is reaching out to us and we throw our trash on the ground as if to say, why would you love us? To which creation responds, why would I love you? Because you are beautiful. You are divine. You are holy. Because I have loved you for thousands of years and I will never stop loving you. I love you because you are sacred to me. We are called to tell people about the prayer living within us, to tell them how special they are, not because they are uniquely individual, but because they are part of a great and sacred love that is not limited to books or buildings, to people or places, because everything is holy. Go fall in love with the day and bless the world that loves you so much. Thank you for listening to this meditation. You can find a written version of it on my website at ianwhitemar.com slash meditations. Who are the people in your life who would enjoy and benefit from this meditation? Pick one. Send them a link. 
Maybe start a conversation with them. What does spiritual renovation look like to you? How can we participate in the spiritual renovation? The spiritual journey isn't something we need to do on our own. We are meant to travel the path with partners. I hope you'll join me again next week.